Girl, you know I got <laughs> it, and I know you want it. Oh, yeah. More. We need more soul decision, and we need more sky. <laughs> that went over way better than I thought it was oh, going to. Oh, man. I, I just, that is like guilty pleasure from like going to high school with my frosted tips, playing goal for the Atacokin <laughs> Voyageurs. Grab some poutine and a double-double. It's time for the Two and Out CFL Podcast. Every week, John, John Fraser. Fraser. To me, if this isn't rock bottom for the Bombers, I don't know what is. And Travis Cura. Who would win between the world's fastest cow, the CFL Rabbit, or Brandon Banks? We'll deliver news and fantasy analysis from the Canadian Football League. And nonsense. Bad pizza is better than good salad, right? It's true. <laughs> it, it, it really is. Just like bad wings are, are better than most anything in the world. Can't forget the nonsense. Ready, set, hook Welcome to episode 50 of the Two and Out CFL podcast. I guess uh, if... It's- 51, isn't oh, it? Oh, oh, jeez. <laughs> I was going to say, because remember 50, we did the big do. We had Rod Smith on. We had Chris Best on. And then we jumped the shark, and it's just you and me for 51. I guess if last week was Everest, this week is like Mount Blackstrap or something. <laughs> Not even. It's like, it's just a hill in a valley someplace in Saskatchewan. <laughs> it doesn't even have a name. It's not big enough to have a name. It's like... A designed hill like at a golf course that we're walking up right now, and there's you and me slowly strutting our way up with our golf clubs in tow. Or I guess it would be just like an old garbage dump covered in grass. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, this is what this episode is compared to last week's, an old garbage dump covered in grass. However, I'm much angrier this week. Yes, you are. We are going to get to that during the news, and... I get why <laughs> you're angry, and uh, uh, we're doing this show live. We're doing things a little bit differently this time around. So uh, does ang- that mean does that mean the angry elk? You'd have to go all the way back through all the tape and and edit it in. Well, uh, yes. <laughs> so what you're saying is I have to try to restrain myself for once. Do your best. <laughs> So since it's live, we are going to do things a little bit differently from here on out. We're going to bring Brazilian Ty in now, and he's going to do getting waxed with us. I don't know if he likes this idea because we really make fun of him all the time, but uh, he, he doesn't really have a choice. Well, that's exactly it. The thing is with Brazilian Ty is he just gets to record his getting waxed with a fancy music bed and never have to face the music. But, you know... <laughs> I almost feel like Ty never gets in on the nonsense fun. So from now on, Brazilian, getting waxed with a Brazilian Ty is going to have a five-minute timer and will range from everything from his getting waxed to asking him if a hot dog is a sandwich. <laughs> All right, let's get him on the line now. Hey, Ty, how's it going, bud? Oh, not too bad. And yourself? Oh, not so bad. So we've decided that you've been missing out on the fun of coming on live with us, so getting waxed is now going to actually be live. What is grinding your gears, making your wax hot this week, my friend? Well, I got two things. First thing would be Chris Jones and his just waste of both challenges on Sunday with both plays he knew weren't going to get overturned. And it would have been nice to have a challenge in, last, in that last drive, but it is what it is. I've 
said since week two that I've been done with Chris Jones since that botched <laughs> overtime loss. Week yeah, two? You, you gave up on him real early. You were like the first guy off the Jones bandwagon. Like, you were leading the Jones Rebellion. What can I say? I, I, I guess so. Now, of course, the one that everybody's talking about is the second challenge on Naaman Roosevelt that is so very clearly not a catch. You could have seen it with your own two eyes. Um, what do you think Chris Jones was, was running through his head at that moment, Brazilian Ty? I have no idea. <laughs> Other than it was just time. It was just, oh, we're one and eight. What the hell? Let's just try to see if it sticks. That's that, fair. It made no sense. Like, I don't get it. I don't know what he was watching. Or maybe he didn't even see the replay and he just trusted his player. I don't know. It, well, it, that- it infuriates me. That, either way, it infuriates you. You said you have two things. What else is bugging you this week? Roy Finch caught a punt. <laughs> I know where you're going. It, picked it up, and still scored a touchdown. How bad is your cover team? <laughs> well, see, sometimes they see a guy drop it and they mess up, right? So, I mean, they kind of have an excuse, right? No. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, rally to the football and I, I know it's special teams is a little different but just stay in your lane and this isn't an issue like, i don't that's, understand how like once it once he touches it you can go inside five yards it doesn't matter nobody was even close so, so basically your two favorite people this week are roy finch uh, is hands and uh, chris jones oh yeah chris jones every week it seems <laughs> is my favorite person in the world now, now for the questions that people really really want to know ty oh is a hot dog a sandwich no, it's a hot dog. Good. <laughs> okay, my question is, how's that uh, Grey Cup romance going from last year? Uh, I plead the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> so, you were... um, she texted me on my birthday. I went home Friday night. She texted me on Saturday night, and I never replied till Sunday morning. Just to make it look like I was busy, and she was an afterthought. <laughs> and then she asked me another question, and I ghosted her. Oh. <laughs> So, wait, wait, wait. I, why have neither of you told me about Tyrell falling in love at Grey Cup? Wow. <laughs> I think we did the quick recap on it on our post-Grey Cup episode last year, but uh, it's actually continued. We're coming on. I, I'm, I'm going to call this a full-fledged relationship. It's been like 10 months. I haven't seen her since. That's okay. You're still talking. <laughs> Ty- that's- Tyrell, for you, that's the closest thing you've had to a relationship in a very long time. <laughs> I could say something right now, John, but I'm going to leave it alone. <laughs> Tyrell, you, of course, famously had all your hairs in your nether regions removed. The people really want to know, <laughs> are you still smooth as a baby's arse down there? No, it's kind of slacked off now that I'm in Fort Sask. I don't want to clog somebody else's drain. So what you're saying is the, that the ladies in Fort Sask aren't up to the desire that you, up to the quality that you need to continue keeping yourself aerodynamic. Well, Kinder doesn't stop here because we're close enough to Edmonton. However, the matches are way down. You think it'd be up in with the ratio, but yeah, it's just, there's no point anymore. Is your Tinder profile picture still one with you with a scraggly beard? No, it's from your wedding, so I look real good. Oh, okay. Well, then I, I was gonna say if you still had the scraggly beard, I definitely wouldn't get in a windowless van with you. But if it's from my wedding, I, I took the one down that had me holding that huge walleye caught because then chicks just figure you stink like fish and you're never home. You're one of those <laughs> fish guys on Tinder? 
Not anymore. It, well, it's not my number one pick. It's like number three. <laughs> what's What's next? You're going to be the truck guy on Tinder or the cow, cowboy hat and plaid shirt guy on Tinder? No, my truck is my uh, Facebook cover photo. Ah, uh, well, okay, that's five minutes. That's getting waxed with Brazilian Ty. <laughs> Ty, no rebuttals. Take care, buddy. I love you guys. In the Huddle with Fraser and Cura on the Two and Out podcast. All right, I, I didn't think this was going to be the number one news item, but I don't know if I can really uh, ignore it now. Uh, officiating seems to be the big thing uh, yes. these days, and uh, this is what's making you really mad. There was a uh, call uh, at the end of the Riders and Bombers Labor Day Classic that I'm I'm not going to say it decided the game because it didn't. It was the missed kicks. Right. It was the stalled drives. It was the interceptions. It was a lot of other things other than that one call. It just came at an unfortunate time i'm in the camp that thinks they had to make the call but uh, where do you sit on this and what's making you mad well i've actually cooled down a little bit the past couple of days but i've had some conversations with friends of mine who are officials and this is the point that i'm starting to see after all the dust has settled from the labor day weekend again i i, I have a friend that's a cfl football official I have not conversed with him about this, so don't try to connect the dots and say, you know this guy, this is his words. It was not. It was another football official I'm very close with. Now, the one thing that is driving me crazy, and and I know Brazilian Ty hates him, but Chris Jones made the best point of, we brought in all of these challenges a couple years ago, pass interference, added a whole pile more this year that coaches can challenge and see whether the referees got it right or not. Now, to me... I talked to a friend of mine, and he said, all you're doing is you're taking away from the game. You're not only taking away from the flow, but you're running into a situation that, let's face it, there's now this lull after every single play in a CFL game that players go, okay, is he going to challenge? Is he going to challenge? Is he going to challenge? Because, and it's, here's the thing. If you slow down almost any play with half-decent coverage, you're probably going to find something that looks like pass interference. What the CFL needs to do, in my humble opinion, and they need to do it I don't care if they do it mid-season. I know that there's lots of people that were that were mad that, that things changed mid-season with the challenge rules, but they need to go back to what... And I'm not saying the NFL is perfect by any metric, but we need to go back that the only things you can challenge are touchdowns, catches, and the spot of the football. You can't have judgment calls be challengeable anymore because it's taking so much away from the game. Let's face it, four years ago... Do we have that conversation whether a flag was thrown or not? Do we watch it in super slow-mo? Do we say that Jones should have challenged it? No, it's probably a fun debate that goes away on sports radio after a day or two. But now, well, you know, he should have held onto his challenge flag and he should have done this. And now Jones is getting heat and Jones is taking heat himself. But I think the, the growing number of challenges is just utterly unnecessary. But the part that's really making my eye twitch... This is the part that's really getting to me, Travis. It's not what the CFL is doing because I hope, I still have hope that they are smart enough to look at themselves in the mirror this year and go, you know what, guys? This isn't working. We're getting more things right, 
but we're taking away so much from the game. Game times are up no matter what the CFL is telling you because they're just not factoring in times that they take a timeout for a challenge. When you're watching on the tube, the game time is up, but the thing that... that, that well, the really... 12 weather delays uh, this year really help. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. I mean, you can't count game time towards I a weather know, delay. I know, but, I, know. I mean, when you're putting out your official league document saying game time is down, no, it's not because you're breaking way too often for challenges and, and reviews. Let's go back to the way it was when Jones said four years ago when the TV ratings were at an all-time high, you could challenge a catch because, let's face it, if you've ever if you've ever been to a live football game, and I have the privilege of doing I had the privilege of doing that Friday night at the University of Saskatchewan. I work sideline reporting for the Husky football broadcast here. They're playing the Regina Rams. I was literally right on the sidelines. It's so fast. There are times you can't tell if a guy might have trapped a ball. I'm fine with taking a second look if you have that ability in the CFL. But the other thing, too, and, and this is why it really started to sink into me after being part of that game on Friday night, watching the CIS game, 7,700 people in the stands at Griffith Stadium, all sorts of excitement, great atmosphere. And guess what? After a play, nobody looked at the coaches. Nobody looked at the refs. Nobody waited for the command center. After the play, the call was made, and they went. And both teams forgot about it, and the flow was great. The energy was great. It was a 41-39 game in double overtime that was over within... I believe it was about three hours and 15 minutes. You find me a CFL double overtime game that's over in that amount of time. People loved it. People left entertained. And there wasn't this this question every single moment. It was great. All amateur football is like that. Which is why I'm saying if you're a dis- disgruntled Ryder fan, go check out some amateur football. The flow is just better in the amateur game right now, whether it's Canadian Junior Football League, which I do play-by-play for, or it is the CIS game, which you can find just about anywhere. But... It, the, the thing that bothered me the most, Trav, and I've full disclosure, I don't go on our Twitter account a lot. That is mostly handled by you and Brazilian Thai. Yeah, there's a reason for that. I'm too angry of a person because when I see people, the same people who out of one side of their mouth say the referees need to get everything right. And out of the other side of their mouth say challenges are ruining the game. Make up your damn mind. The people that wanted more challenges are the people that are bitching today that challenges are ruining the game make up your mind pick a side do you want challenges do you want reviews of pass interference of of roughing the passer of every single play you know what i'm i'm picking my side and my side is fewer challenges more flow hell i'd even be in favor if the cfl abolished them altogether so i guess from from where i'm sitting it's almost like you're mad at the uh the the ripple effect not the fact that there is challenges, but the fact that it happens on every play, and then it affects the, I guess, the subconscious of a fan saying, uh, well, "Why it didn't affect, it affects the flow of the game too?" Trav, I mean, let's face it: you and I watch a lot of football games. Almost the first thing that, the after every questionable play, the the replay goes straight to the coach. I think let's remove that doubt. Let's let the flow back into the game. Let's get rid of some of these chintzy challenges. I'm still. I'm still a supporter of the way it was four years. In fact, four years ago or two years ago, whenever they started saying we're going to let coaches challenge pass interference calls, I thought it was a terrible idea then. I still think it's a terrible idea now, and they made that idea worse by expanding to to rough the passer. And What's next? Holding? I mean, you watch an NFL game, and that is one thing the NFL does very well. You watch all their turnovers are automatically reviewed, and their touchdowns are automatically reviewed, just like the CFL. Whenever you're watching an NFL game, it's, okay, yep, turnover, 
We're going to review this. We'll be right back. Come out back after a minute of commercials. Game is going once again. Because they've looked at it. They're quick. Command center said, yeah, you're good to go. Same with the touchdowns. Same with everything. And it's just... It's slowing the game down, taking the flow out of the game. And no, you're right. I'm not upset at the challenges. I'm just, I, I think there are too many challenges, and that's what makes me upset. The other thing that makes me upset is, is people who can't make up their damn minds that are just unhappy no matter what. We have a great game. We do. Does it have its warts? Yes. Does every professional sport right now have its warts? You tell me the NHL, the scoring's down. Tell me the NBA, nobody can play defense anymore. You can tell me the NFL that there's too many commercials. The, the, the kickoff rules are stupid. It's a waste of time. Uh, the, the challenges slow down the game. You can tell me the CFL, the challenges slow down the game. There, you can make an argument as to why every pro sport sucks. Baseball takes too long. Not enough action. But let's the CFL as it stands now, if you didn't come out of those games on Labor Day thoroughly entertained, I don't think you're a football fan. I think you really like to bitch about stuff, and you're using the CFL as your whipping boy, as it seems like most of Canada is doing this year. Well, and, were- and and I don't think people well, – uh, people do crap on the challenges, I agree, but people were crapping on the quality of the officiating, which I – I don't think it's that bad. And it's it's just because here's the thing, Travis. We're watching every single play because of the challenge rules. We're watching every single pass that is completed in good coverage in super slow-mo looking for something that could be pass interference. We're making our officials look worse than they are. I, I'm an ex-official. Nobody's perfect. I've taken the football officials course. Nobody's perfect. But, I mean, with all these challenges and all these video reviews and super-duper-duper slow-mo, you can make any play look bad. I can guarantee you in good coverage, you can find anything that you could convince the average fan could potentially be pass interference. Well, and and I said the uh, CFL is almost in an adjustment period right now, like the NHL after the lockout. I think the first few Stanley Cups were decided by who had the best power play because they were, yeah. <laughs> everything was getting uh, called. And I, I think it's an adjustment period right now. But f- for you to say the game is ruined, and not you, John, but to say the game is ruined, the Ticats and Argos Labor Day game, the most watched game of the year, the most watched Labor Day battle since 2009, over 2 million people tuned into the Bombers and Riders and the Stampeders and Eskimos, and you're telling yeah. me th- these games suck? No, the the over Labor Day last year, ratings were up, what, 30%? It's obvious that I, I think the game's way better than it has been in the past few years. And, and if and the, I- and I think you and I are the minority. I just I, I, I do want to see the challenges reduced. But overall, I think the product is absolutely spectacular. And if they do reduce that, is there a better sport in the world? I, I'm sorry. I, I, don't, I don't think so. And, uh, well, let, it, let, let's face it. I, I don't think anybody was that mad with the officiating and everything that went on before they introduced the pass interference challenge that we didn't think it was a great sport. No, I think it was better back then. There was no, like I said, it's like watching a CIS or a junior football game or a high school football game right now. You watch the play and you go, "Okay, play's over." There's decisiveness, and I think it makes the the officials doubt themselves too. But at, at the end of the day, sport is humans, and it's not a video game. It's it's not robots. Officials are humans, coaches are humans, and players are humans. And uh, I think that's what all 
drew us into this league and uh, sports altogether. So I think more changes are coming in the offseason, and if they fix the flow, this is going to be, I think, the best CFL uh, ever. Now, of course, yeah. uh, news is brought to you by Bomb Energy Drink. I-, I can't believe they sponsor us. They actually have their own race car. Uh, they were on Dragon's Den, drinkbomb.com. I think the bomb of the week is a sad one. We lost the CFL legend this past week, Normie Kwong, who played right, for the yeah. Eskimos in Stampeders, actually won a Grey Cup with Calgary, their first ever Grey Cup in 1948. Just a sad day for the CFL, a, a true legend and really uh, just a great figure in the province of Alberta. So sad to see, uh, it's always sad when you see a legend like that pass. Yeah, and you could tell he was just a, a nice guy. He was the first uh, player of Asian descent to play in uh, the CFL, and uh, he was a trailblazer. And uh, it was just up until recently that John Cornish ended up breaking his single-season rushing mark. So it shows how ahead of his time he was when he was playing in the CFL. Uh, we did talk about the Labor Day ratings. They are I- incredible. Uh, Philip Hunt uh, is back from the NFL. He signs with the Edmonton Eskimos, who may have some cap space because it looks like Dexter McCoyle and Aaron Grimes are staying in the NFL. Yeah, Uh, both made at least the practice rosters of their respective teams uh, when the final NFL cuts were announced. So that's why Edmonton could go out and really pick up a guy who he hasn't played a lot. Uh, He's only played, I think, 20 games over the past four seasons. But when he did play, he was great for Winnipeg. Lots of people asking why the Bombers didn't get him. Well, look at the Bombers cap situation. They're kind of right up against it right now. Uh, Rakeem Cato will be the starter in Montreal now. Uh, d- this, oh man, it was just what, uh, three weeks ago that Glenn throws for five touchdowns and then, uh, two weeks later, no, nope. <laughs> but I, We're, but I don't hate this move, but it was just in June when Rakeem Cato was going to be released by the Owls. Yeah. The, I don't hate the move of switching to a younger quarterback, this, to me, says, though, that Vernon Davis Jr. is absolutely not ready. Vernon according. Adams, yeah. Vernon Adams, pardon me, Vernon Davis. Here I am thinking I've got my NFL sheet. I've got my NFL rosters in front of me for my multiple fantasy teams. Um, but, yeah, Adams Jr. is in a spot where he is obviously not ready because when they traded a first-round pick to get him from BC, they were basically saying this is our quarterback of the future. Now, I, I don't... I don't mind the fact that Montreal is starting to see, okay, we need to start working some younger guys into this lineup and seeing what we have. Our our offense hasn't worked for a little while. Kevin Glenn is not getting it done. He's throwing a pile of interceptions. I don't hate the move. I, it just I'm raising eyebrows at the fact that it is Rakeem Cato because, like you said, Travis, you know he was on the verge of getting released. I really thought that this would go to, to Adams. I thought this should be his job. Now, if you're turning to a young guy in your organization, it should be – should be him, but realistically, he is clearly not ready to go just yet. The Owls are making this move to see what else they have. Maybe we'll see Adams Jr. by the end of the season, but it, it's it's a little bit of a surprise to me. But I, I do think that there might be a trade market out there for Kevin Glenn, a, a team looking for a veteran backup down the stretch, or a, a guy that maybe they think can upgrade what they have at the backup position. So it'll Toronto. be interesting. Well, Toronto for sure. Winnipeg. <laughs> Well, I, I, really? mean, I, I don't think Winnipeg could pay any more money to quarterbacks, but if you could find something to do with the Drew Willie con- contract, 
Maybe a Matt Nichols-Kevin Glenn combo doesn't look so bad. It would almost be a reunion in, in blue and gold. Now, staying with quarterbacks, there was a report that, uh, and I think it's obvious, that Chris Jones and Darian Durant are going to be d- discussing his future soon, uh, was the word. I believe his contract is up at the end of the year quickly. Is Darian Durant going to be a Saskatchewan Rough Rider next season? I have heard so much on the record and off the record from both sides of that. It's so hard to tell. It I... It's rare that I want to make a, that I don't want to make a prediction, but I don't in this case, Travis, because I've heard people on the record say Darian's our guy. He's the best option available. He, yeah. he really likes Chris Jones. He he really likes McAdoo. He really likes the whole staff. And then I've heard other camps say he knows this team is three to four years away from winning. He knows the Riders have not won a lot of football games with or without him in the past few years. Maybe he looks someplace else. At you the same time, he he did take a pay cut to stay here. Maybe, oh, I, I guess he would want to prove that the Achilles is okay. I, I think he's having a good year. Uh, he is, when, I think he's proven the Achilles is okay. The only reason he took that pay cut is because he didn't want the John Tr- Chick or Weston Dressler treatment. Well, and that's what I mean. So doesn't that show that he wants to stay in Regina? I, I think or, it's up to management. Or maybe, or maybe he knows that he even taking the pay cut – Everybody else was kind of set at quarterback. Without, yeah. There was nowhere else for him really to go. I mean, nobody was going to pay him starters money coming off the Achilles injury except for the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. Well, and now they would. I think he's looked good. In a, the, I would agree. The Rider offense rushes for 25. He's their leading rusher. I know. How, how can he – let's face it, he's not Zach Caleros. The receivers aren't Tolliver, Owens, and all the other weapons they have in Hamilton. He nope. can't do it all on his own. No, and, and you're absolutely right. I am a huge fan of Darian Durant. But I think because another thing with the pay cut was he went from having a couple more years in that deal to only having one more year. And if you're Darian Durant, I think he likes it in Saskatchewan. I think he really does. He's He's a hero here in this province. But – you look at that Ryder roster, and they are really starting to remind me of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers in the Joe Mack era. There are a lot of Canadians on that roster who wouldn't even sniff anybody else's practice squad. And they're starting. And when your Canadians aren't great, you can always find good American players. But when your Canadians are a little thin in some spots... It takes I'm not time. It, I'm, exactly. It takes a long time to draft and develop those guys. So now if you're Darian... Do you stick around and watch your team go through a full-out rebuild the next three or four years? Or do you listen maybe to a contract offer from the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, the Montreal Alouettes, the Toronto Argonauts, that are a little bit further ahead than the Riders? You can go there with a chance to win. I think I think if you added Darren Durant to Matt Nichols, I think I, I, that, that makes... I think if Darian Durant goes to the Winnipeg Blue Bombers before the end of the year, they all of a sudden become a dark horse Grey Cup contender. You got to get by, you got to get by Calgary, but do you believe in having two quarterbacks that have a similar skill set? Because I don't, I don't think they do. <laughs> no, no, I they don't. I'm, I've never been a believer in that. You go with the guy who's the best, yeah. and, and I mean, let's face it, you've got you got twenty to thirty plays in your playbook that. You know, Mitchell Gale isn't going to run compared to Darian Durant. Just like if Darian Durant went to Winnipeg, Matt Nichols wouldn't run 20 to 30 plays compared to Darian Durant. 
It's just that's just part of it. You just go out and get the best best athlete possible, and you build around them, and that's what smart OCs do, and that's what Stephen McAdoo's done, and I believe that's what Paul Lapolis would do in Winnipeg. So, I don't know where Durant is going to be next year. I hope for the Riders' sake, I hope it is in Saskatchewan because I think that accelerates their rebuild. If he decides to test the market and go to a team that's a little closer to contending, it could be ugly again in Saskatchewan because I just I don't see a guy. And I unless unless they went in and got Franklin out of Edmonton, yeah, that's the only guy that I really see out there in a backup role that you go, okay, he could probably start someplace. Last news item: the halftime show for the 104th Grey Cup in Toronto was announced. One Republic, which I think is huge. I, I yeah. think that's a, that's a great get uh, for the halftime show. Who were you hoping it would be? I was hoping it would I I was hoping it would be somebody Canadian, but this is something I say every single year. I'm not one that's going to go out and bash the CFL for getting one republic. Cuz to me, I'm although I am already an established fan and lover of the CFL, I'm going to watch the Grey Cup. If you had some sort of terrible if if somebody put an Excel PowerPoint out about how to cr- how to drink a beer for 15 minutes. <laughs> if they had minutes, a chess match at halftime, I would still be a oh, fan. Oh, I would totally watch that. I used to be a chess nerd. <laughs> I would what be can all you do over in that. 15 I would be minutes. criticizing their moves and everything. But I, you're right. <laughs> you and I will watch the Grey Cup halftime no matter who's there. If it's somebody that we're not a massive fan of, is it going to be backup, uh, background noise? Yeah. The only thing I don't like is, to me, they should be showcasing Canadian talent. Now, the argument, actually, Joel Gaston and I from 3 Down Nation were texting back and forth a little bit about this today. Joel threw the, well, maybe there's not anybody the league feels is big enough that's Canadian right now to anchor that spot. And I did concede that. I mean, off the top of my head, the only band I could... I, I can think of the Arkells. I don't know what it would take to get Drake to do the uh, the Grey Cup halftime. See, that's who I thought it was going to be. I Me thought too. it was going to be Drake. In Toronto, it's in his backyard. It's, the, it's, it's a massive Grey Cup for the Toronto Argonauts organization. They kind of own the Toronto Raptors, who Drake technically works for. I thought Drake was going to be the guy... I was surprised when he wasn't, but I'm still, and I believe, and I saw also Rod Peterson bring this up, it should be Canadian. And I don't care if you have to get a smaller name and maybe the ratings aren't it huge, but it should be Canadian. Obviously, we all are believers that it probably should have been the Tragically Hip. Yeah, it, doesn't it show how big the Grey Cup is, though? Well, it just shows how big their, their checkbook is. Right, and uh, I think One Republic is, uh, they're very popular. I think they've got over a billion views on YouTube. I mean, who doesn't? Oh, they do, and they are very, and I'm not, I'm not slamming, I'm not one of those old cranky guys that's going to sit here and slam One Republic. I think for what the CFL was trying to accomplish, I think they're a very good choice and a very good get. It probably cost them a good chunk of change, but I digress. To me, that spot should be reserved for Canadian talent. I know with Gord Downey South and after the, the masterpiece yeah. that was that show in Kingston, maybe they don't want to come out and do another show, and I can't blame them for that. Maybe the Arkells, Drake, were, were booked up, but I just, and I will say this until they have a headlining Canadian act at halftime, and I've been saying this for a decade, should be Canadian, and I, I'm happy. I think it's a great, it's a great pick, but we should have gone with somebody from our own country. And that being said, I have an idea. I know who it should be. Okay, I finally who, okay, thought okay. of one Canadian star who's big enough <laughs> and multi-generational enough to cover everybody that would enjoy and just have a really good time. 
You know who should play? Who sh- needs to play the next Grey Cup halftime show? <laughs> who? Kim Mitchell! Yes! Kimmy! Let's face it, by the time Grey Cup uh, Sunday rolls around, all I want to do is go for a soda. I don't want any more alcohol. No. (laughs) No, you're very right. Yeah! Love Kimmy. I love Kimmy. I remember he played the pregame show outside of Rogers Center. Yeah. For the 2007 Grey Cup, there was a flyover. It was awesome. Move him to the big stage. We want Kim Mitchell. We want Kim Mitchell. Let's get to the expose. Time for the fantasy expose on the Two and Out podcast. All right. So there's five games. We will go through them uh, as fast as we humanly can. Uh, I guess it started, it feels like uh, a year ago. I, we can just quickly talk about it. The Lions. It's everyone's oh, favorite game show. Dang. We t- <laughs> we you said talk- we were doing this live. You said you weren't going to make any mistakes, Travis. <laughs> We'll talk about it very quickly. The Lions beat the Argos 16-13 last week. Actually, Labor Day, uh, I don't know if you consider this one, uh, the former Braley Bowl, a part of Labor Day week. But, man, they got us some grinding games uh, last week. Yeah, grinding. Sure, (laughs) that's the term for it. Um, It was the thing. BC won 16-13. We don't need to talk about it anymore. Yeah, that's it. I mean, uh, what else? Uh, Emmanuel Arsenault, uh, he had a pass attempt in the game, and he looks like he's got a hell of an arm. So maybe that's somebody the riders look at. (laughs) Might not be a bad idea. (laughs) Let's move on uh, to uh, the Thursday game. The Red Blacks beat the uh, Alouettes 19-14. No Deron Carter in this game, but it looks like they really didn't do much else. Uh, I guess the one takeaway from this game is how about Nick Lewis? Yeah, he is still, he is one guy, and I think that is one of the predictions I most spectacularly got wrong when we started this pod. I said that Nick Lewis was not going to do anything in Montreal. We thought that last year. He has another great game, 10 for 92 and a touchdown. And as well, he does all the little things right. He He run blocks so well. He just uh, Nick Lewis has turned out to be maybe Montreal's best receiver outside of Deron Carter. So always keep that in mind. Uh, again, in terms of daily fantasy, I am completely staying away from Montreal right now un- until I see what Rakeem Cato uh, has. Uh, Ernest Jackson was the winner of who's going to get the ball this week for Ottawa. <laughs> Trevor Harris only throwing for a touchdown against that sneaky good Montreal Alouette pass defense. Yeah, Ottawa is off this week, so you don't have to play a Red Blacks roulette uh, with the receivers. You don't have to worry about that. Uh, the Labor Day Classic on Sunday. The Riders, the final Labor Day Classic at Taylor Field, end up losing to the Bombers 28-25. Is this, what, it was 12 or 11 in a row, and the Bombers break that streak. Since 2004. What were you doing in 2004? Man, oh, man, I... I was in grade 10. Uh, I, I talked to a guy that he, <laughs> since then, he's been married and he's got an eight-year-old and a five-year-old kid. He's a Bombers fan. Uh, his life is completely changed. 
Wow. You too. That, you that, too. That, 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 a lot happens between Labor Day wins. It even more happens between Bomber Grey Cups. Uh, bombers continue <laughs> to roll, move to 6-4 and four on the year. Matt Nichols, again, not a great daily fantasy play, but he's cheap. He gave you 341 yards passing and a touchdown. Darian Durant, uh, 399, a touchdown, but two interceptions. And again, we talked about the fact that that everybody's saying that, oh, it was it was replays that, that cost the, the riders and it was refs and blah, 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 blah. No, it was untimely mistakes by your football team. I had a coach that once told me that if you leave it up to the refs, you didn't deserve to win anyways. And You're that doing made, it wrong. That, that <laughs> rung true here. Again, uh, if there's a Riders running back, stay away from them. Uh, they aren't worth the electronic DraftKings stuff they're pr- printed on. 26 yards rushing for Kendall Lawrence. Uh, Caleb Hawley's starting to emerge a little bit. See what his value comes out at this week. He might be a guy I'd be willing to take a flyer on. Well, uh, I uh, I took him last week. He was 3,700, and uh, now they they know him, so he's 5,000 this year or week, But which is not – that's not – too much. That's not too much at all. Quincy McDuffie for the Bombers, another guy that's going to be around that 5,000 range. Yeah. 153 and a touchdown. Andrew Harris, uh, 80 yards on the ground. His lowest receiving game of the year, only 17 yards through the air uh, for Andrew Harris there. I'm rolling with Harris. Uh, he, he gets 15 carries a game. He hasn't had single-digit carries since week four or something, so the offense really revolves around him. Uh, it, it's funny because when Drew Willie was in, they had no pass blocking, no rushing game, but Matt Nichols comes in, and all of a sudden it's a completely different different team. Now, one thing I want to say about this game is my wife was on the phone with my mother-in-law, and then Kendall Lawrence takes that punt to the house. I think my mother-in-law thought I was having a stroke or something. I was like, oh my god! And then Rod Peterson's call. Yes, I was just about to bring that up. That call of Peterson's was unbelievable. Play-by-play guys across the country take note. Yeah, th- that was so. That was a Labor Day memory, of course. Uh, Justin Medlock is money. He kicked seven field goals on the day. So uh, take note, Tyler Crepinia. Uh, nah, he's young. Uh, we'll give him a pass. But that <laughs> that return was uh, something else. So we move on to Monday. Wow, uh, the Stampeders continue. To dominate the Eskimos on Labor Day, they win 45-24. Jerome Messam has, what, touchdowns in four or five straight games? He is looking incredible right now. Yeah, he's starting to round into form. Two touchdowns on 110 yards rushing. Bo Levi Mitchell throws for 380 with two touchdowns as well. And I don't think there's any argument anywhere in the league. Calgary's the best team in the CFL. Uh, You can't argue it. it. It's insane. I mean, they've just, they've looked absolutely dominant they humbled the Edmonton Eskimos and and really they made Darrell Walker and a Darius Bowman look human they yep. only had 125 yards between the two of them Darrell Walker with the one touchdown still showing off he can be a little dangerous holding John White also to only 50 yards rushing so I'm staying away from Edmonton uh this week only because I think Calgary will do exactly what they just did again the incredible thing with Calgary is that you don't know which one of their receivers to start. Uh, no, I, I, I mean, feel we, like we joke about Red Blacks roulette, but holy cheese, like 
Like, Calgary roulette's almost just as bad. Well, they have nobody really flashy. There's, there's nobody out there getting, you know, 150 yards every game. It, it, it spreads so much. I think the most reliable player is probably Jerome Messam, uh, but he's a running back. Yeah, or Markway McDaniel's always fairly consistent. He's steady. He is steady. I mean, he's. I mean, Bo Levi is never going to have a 500-yard game, just like McDaniel's never going to have a 200-yard game receiving. But he's steady. He's a nice play. He's only about seven thousand bucks in DraftKings, and you know, 67, 67 yards through the air, no touchdowns. Again, that's the kind of. You, that's the thing. I like drafting guys in DraftKings in a couple spots that are steady, and he fills that role. Let's go to the game of the week. Oh man, how good was this game? How good was this game? Incredible. The Tiger Cats beat the Argos 49-36. I know a lot of people debating Ricky Ray's best before date. I just think it's because he took a beating as the game went on. Uh, he, he At the beginning of the game, I don't know if there's a guy that throws... The balls that he throws to Tory Gurley in the end zone where only Gurley can get... It's yeah. incredible to watch. He's got so much touch on uh, the passes, but, I mean, it's not like Zach Caleros uh, doesn't have any either. It's just those two quarterbacks, that was a duel. And C.J. Gable, like we've said before, he's going to go off. We just don't know when, and it just happened to be this time. Yeah, on a non-fantasy note... Is it safe to say that releasing John Chick and signing Sean Lemon is the worst move of the offseason? <laughs> for, for the record, I threw that out there on Twitter, and I, cha- and I tagged Mr. Chick in it, and he liked it. Well, <laughs> he liked the tweet. So It's I, a stupid I, I, move, I, but it doesn't turn the riders around, you know? No, but, Kay, I'm not saying it would turn the riders around, but essentially Chris Jones released a guy in John Chick. Because he wanted to spend fifty less grand, fifty thousand dollars less on that spot, and he goes out and gets Sean Lemon, and then Sean Lemon demands a trade because he doesn't want to play any coverage. Meanwhile, John Chick was just the reason. The biggest reason Hamilton comes back in that second half is because of John Chick, and the rest of that defensive line. He was all over Ricky Ray like white on rice. Only credited for two tackles and one sack, but he was an absolute monster. Um, Again, I think I think that, to me, is the worst move of the CFL offseason right now. Yeah, and uh, the Argos just continue to uh, – it was the turnovers here. I don't know how many teams could turn the ball over that many times. It was three straight and then a block punt and still win the game. That's what Hamilton did. Yeah, it was unbelievable uh, the, the, what Hamilton rallied back from. And it's, again – we say Calgary's the best team in the CFL right now, but I don't think Hamilton's played a full 60 minutes all year. No. Interesting to see once they can figure it out. No, and I feel like they're still... This is crazy. I, I still don't know if Zach Caleros has had his best game. I know no. that sounds scary and crazy and insane. He has not had his best game yet. No, he absolutely has not, and it'll be terrifying to see when he does, and... Hope you have him on your fantasy team that week. He's expensive. He's eleven thousand six hundred. I I can't make a case for not starting him. Uh, I, I'm throwing him in there, and I, I I can't get off the Terrence Tolliver train either. Uh, in the last five games, he either has a hundred receiving yards or a touchdown. It looks like he's got six touchdowns in five games, so he's on fire. Uh, as well, and 
it's another one of those teams. Except Hamilton, it's almost like all of the receivers uh, actually get you meaningful points, though. Yeah, and, and they seem to. Basically, pick a Hamilton receiver. They're going to put up some big yards, whether it's Chad Owens, whether it's Fantus. I mean, as you mentioned, the the couple of big guys there, but you're pretty safe rolling the dice with any one of the Hamilton receivers. Quick update in the two or in the CFL podcast family fantasy league. A big win for us last week over Rouge, White, and Blue. Uh, they actually had Caleros, who put up over 50 points. <laughs> Wow. We, we, we escaped with the win there. We are up against uh, the Eskimo Empire this week. Uh, Ottawa's on by, so that really hurts us this week. But let's get right to the picks. It's everyone's favorite game show. Are you smarter than two overweight Canadian podcasters? Pick the weekly winners in the CFL on Facebook or Twitter at 2 and Out CFL. <laughs> Trevor is the leader in our CFL Pick'em group on pick'em.cfl.ca. You're welcome to join us on there. Let's uh, yeah, start with the game. No more Thursday night football. It's Fridays and weekends. It, it's Labor Day and uh, after Labor Day. Man, I just love this time of year when it gets colder. That's football weather for me. Uh, Lions home to the Alouettes. Rakeem Cato makes the start. Friday night football. Where are you going? It's got to be the BC Lions. They've just been too good. Montreal's in a state of flux. I know they're going to get Deron Carter back, but another great pass defense. But I think Montreal could have some potential in pulling the upset only because you've got two young quarterbacks who can be frazzled by good defense. Both these teams have good defense, but I think BC's got a little more talent. They're going to come out with it. In uh, Rakeem Cato's 31 pass attempts this year, he actually ranks third in the league among starting quarterbacks with pass pass efficiency. Oh, so, I don't believe any of that. It's all <laughs> mop-up time. <laughs> well, he started the one game. Uh, he only started week four because of Kevin Glenn's eye. I don't know what was going on there. But take what you will from that game. Uh, Deron Carter only had four targets in the game. He, he leaned towards B.J. Cunningham and Nick Lewis. And he was magical last year for his first few starts. So He, he, he was. He could pull something out. But I'm picking B.C. as well. And since we're going live, you have no choice here. Did you know that Soul Decision is from B.C.? Yes! I love this pick! <laughs> <laughs> kind of faded, but I'm feeling all right. Thinking all right, let's do it. <laughs> that went over way better than it thought. And I know you want it. Oh, yeah. More, we need more soul decision, and we need more sky. <laughs> that went over way better than I thought it was going Oh, to. man. I, I just, that is like guilty pleasure from like going to high school with my frosted tips <laughs> playing goal for the Atacokan <laughs> Voyageurs. Basically saying to the ladies when I was high school, hey, hey, I'm a goaler. You want to make out? Didn't work. Did it? Oh, it didn't work? I was just going to ask. No. (laughs) I used to have the frosted tips as well. Oh, I think everybody did at one point. Oh, yeah. And you look at me now and you're like, 
What? You had frosted tips? Yeah, I used to put gel in my hair as well. Uh, Saturday, it's the Panjo Bowl. The Bombers home to the Riders. Uh, let's make this quick. I'm going to Winnipeg. What about you? Yeah, I'm going to Winnipeg as well. All right, let's rock some Jet Set Satellite. Baby, oh, cool nice. on jets is what I say. Never had to end this way. Killing the vibe when you up and quit. I'm glad you're gone, but you will be missed. Yeah, I want to break. Yeah, I'm on my nails because I need some breathing room. Oh, man, Manitoba has some great bands. <laughs> you have stepped up the music game so far this week, and I like it. <laughs> I'm hustling too much. I might pull a hamstring here. <laughs> Man, I tore one. It's not fun. I actually, I, I, I was playing slow pitch, running after a ball, fell to the ground. Everybody laughed at me because I thought I was just a fat guy who had fallen You were down. hurt. <laughs> Turns out I tore my hamstring, so they dragged me to the bench and put me beside a dog who proceeded to sniff me while I ride around in pain, not sure whether I was going to puke or poop. How, how many slow pitch injuries do you have? Because I tore my oblique once playing slow pitch, and just, just I didn't know I had one. an oblique. I didn't know I had an oblique. <laughs> it's in there someplace. <laughs> it, it's right uh, like on the left side of your gut. And, oh, that's where I heard it anyway. So anything I did, cough, sneeze, laugh, get up, sit down, oh, it was the worst. But I, I recovered and uh, I was able to bat uh, a nice 350 the rest of that uh, slow pitch season, which that's is not terrible, that good. That's pretty terrible, 350. <laughs> yeah, that's not that good. That is not good at all. I was like an 820 <laughs> hitter this year. Eskimos home to the Stampeders. Uh, Labor Day rematch. Uh, I got to go Calgary here. Yeah, so do I. I just think they keep rolling. This one is for Empire Andrew. Uh, I know he's an Eskimo fan, but he suggested this song from Tegan and Sarah. They're from Calgary. Everything is awesome. Everything is cool when you're part of the team. Everything is awesome. I can't believe I played that. Oh, you're you're La Flama Blanca right now with these musical picks. <laughs> however, I, I, however, I, if you stray from the usual on the, the Sunday rematch between the Tabbies and the Argos, I will personally drive to Red Deer and slap you in the I am not straying at all. Oski wee wee. By the way, I've been in contact with the Arkells, trying to get them on to and out. I talked to their manager last week, so uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, we can talk some CFL football with those guys. Oh, I'd love to. There's a, there, there is a reason my kid is named Max. There's many reasons. That was one of them. <laughs> awesome that does it for episode 51 not bad without uh some uh, illustrious guests yeah um we thought we were going to be two guys on top of a buried dumpster pile but uh <laughs> it turned out not too pretty bad <laughs> you're taking a bye week next week again yeah um that's what happens when your shifts get moved around and you still are expected to cover and travel with two football teams so i got some work commitments so no more yoko ono talk from you guys no more throwing me under the bus <laughs> next this this so i'm gonna do two weeks of promoing myself this saturday night seven o'clock 92.9 the bull 
It is the Saskatoon Hilltops taking on the Regina Thunder. Yours truly, along with Chris Hengenbron, doing the play-by-play and color commentary. Next Friday night, Saskatchewan Huskies, they're at home against the Calgary Dinos. Big game there. I'll be on the sidelines. Dave Thomas, my friend, has the uh, play-by-play call as well. I'll be hosting a panel speaking to several Olympians at the pregame tailgate party that night as well. Make sure you arrive early. Go to the Rally Alley. Check that out. And finally, next Saturday, the 17th, I will be in Kelowna for the first ever regular season interconference game involving the Saskatoon Hilltops and the Okanagan Sun, live from the Apple Bowl in Kelowna. I will be there doing play-by-play. And Clayton Croker, guy who's filled in on two and out a couple of times, will be flying shotgun, handling color commentary. So that's what I'm up to for the next couple weeks. That's why the real job, unfortunately, is taking me from the thing I really just love doing for hoops and games. The hardest working man in Saskatchewan. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Yeah, that's the only nice thing I'm going to say to you on this podcast all year. I, I know because I, whoever you get next week is going to relentlessly <laughs> make fun of me and suggest that my wife is Yoko Ono again. <laughs> it's funny because next Saturday you're working and I'm a judge at a chicken wing festival here in Red Deer. So I wonder, I wonder if sh- the plane will stop in Red Deer. <laughs> <laughs> all right, buddy, we will talk to you in a few weeks. Like us on Facebook, follow on Twitter. Tune out CFL, rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, and I will talk to you next week.